0: Hello and welcome to the Route 1 Football Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Max Hayes, or more commonly known as Match Day with Max, and he's a young presenter from Nottingham who will come in to chat to us about his presenting life. I've got two football geniuses at the side of me, Hello. and they're going to introduce you to their topics on the podcast.
1: I'm Alex, and I'm going to be talking about three players from the late 2000 Real Madrid era and where their careers took them.
2: I'm Jude, and I'll be talking about who deserves the title of the Pride of these East Midlands.
1: So join us
0: for our first episode of the Route 1 Football Podcast
3: right then max so first things first how are you yeah very good thanks thanks for having very me good. um great to great to be on it's nice to do these things uh, every year every so often so uh, yeah cheers for having me on guys
0: yeah no worries mate um so first of all max i want to wanna start by asking you mm. where did where did the drive come from to to start putting yourself in front of a camera and and showcasing your talent to Forest fans?
3: It it kind of uh, came from, basically, it's kind of of a weird story. Um, I was just a normal Forest fan, going to games, following them home and away. I've been a Forest fan since the age of about four or five. That was when my first game was. And um, when I was about nine or ten, I... um, Went to a game and it was when with uh, Forest had Fawaz as the owner, <laughs> so there was all yeah. these protests. Not the best fans, were No, no, it it wasn't indeed. Uh, and um, there was East Midlands today, uh, like the lo- so the so the local East Midlands news were outside and they were interviewing fans. And um, me and my dad just got literally just picked randomly just out of a bunch of Forest fans. Oh, do you know? Would you mind asking me? Uh, would you mind answering a few questions and my dad's always been yeah. quite good at, at speaking and things and um mm-hmm. we said we'd do it it's a bit nervous like doing it and everything but the woman said to me oh i came across really good on camera would you ever think about doing it as a career i said oh no not really anyway this woman turns out to be a presenter at east midlands uh today angela Rafter, wow. your name is and um i said oh no i've not really thought of it and then from there i kind of I've, you, you know when you were younger and you have many career like paths yeah. and different changes like I wanted to be like a I wanted to be like a um you know every young boy's dream of a, a, a footballer that, that then I wanted to be a football manager then I wanted to be a police officer and then it came to I wanted to present the news and then um, it kind of came from there and I just uh started a, a, a little YouTube channel It was doing kind of like the vlogging stuff at first which um uh, you know i, I not a massive fan of now and, and changed it changed my style a bit and, and did yeah. these uh, interviews but it's quite funny the story started back with being interviewed by someone on East Midlands Today named Angela Rafferty and then two years later I was getting interviewed by her again about my career in presenting so far and actually went into the East Midlands Today studio. so it, it, it all came from basically um, a, ho- a hobby basically and yeah. um, that's how it came from um, really and uh, yeah it's been I have never really looked back since I guess.
1: So, uh, Max, as a Forest fan, uh, what would you say is your most memorable moment of supporting such a big club?
3: Um, yeah, we are such a big club. Um, I'd say my pro- probably uh, most memorable moment would be. I mean, we haven't had a lot to shout about. Um, I was kind of, oh, I, I I just started supporting Forest when we. Uh, missed out on the playoffs first time round with Billy Davis when we lost to Swansea. So probably the the, the best of a moment would probably be something like beating Arsenal 4-2 in the FA Cup. You've got surviving against Ipswich on the last day of the season, which was, well, I thought it was more of a of a relief than a celebration. To be honest with you, not much at all is such a good moment. I, I'd actually pinpoint it down to last season was was a great, uh, one of my favourite Moments as a Forest fan because we had such a good season while Lamucci was doing well um, with us, and and I thought that when Forest played Luton away when we won, I think it was two 0 I think that was a really good day out. It was two one, and um, yeah, I just thought that was a was a class day out. And I, and I suppose it, it's always been enjoyable supporting Forest. Look, you know, it, and I've said this to a lot of people with, of course, fans not allowed in at the moment. Is it's nowhere near as as as, as good enough. I've been offered many a times by clubs and, and everybody to to go back in and, and, and do interviews and things but it's very difficult for me to go back into an empty stadium and try and find enthusiasm and interview yeah. fans which is what my youtube channel and, and, and my stuff's all about so yeah. that's quite difficult so it, it has been and that's why fans need to return as soon as possible because it's you know it's it's such a it's it's more than a than a sport it's a community really
2: so of all the people that you've interviewed mm-hmm. and spoken to um who's the most interesting or uh, best character you've spoken to
3: um poor oh, good question most the best character um would be jason cummins when he was at forest so um of course jason's scottish he's if you ever watch videos of him you'll see him wrestling yeah, and yeah, things and uh, yeah. yeah and i interviewed him and um it went viral and uh that funny enough yeah funny enough that was the i think that was one of my last proper interviews with a forest player actually um to yeah. do with something with the club and um yeah i, I really enjoyed it I, I was very young at the time so it worked quite well with because you know i started this at the age of 10 or 11 so as you can imagine my vo- voice was was a lot squeakier back then and uh used to get taking the mickey out i still do now to be honest with you for the odd voice break <laughs> um so if there's one on this podcast then you know why but um no yeah. so that wouldn't but, <laughs> so that was one of my favorite um ever kind of People I interviewed. Another really good character, uh, you've got, I've got to put like, people like Martin Keogh and Jermaine Genus up there. And again, I was very young when I interviewed them. Steve Bruce last season, I interviewed him with MITRE. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. I went up to Steve Bruce actually and I said, so he he got interviewed by TalkSport and his media team came out with him because it was at Rochdale. Bear in mind, quite a small club. You're always going to get people fishing around. It's very difficult to protect a manager from media interviews, whereas it's quite easy to do so at a bigger club, Forest, um, Man U, for example, if you tried to interview somebody like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but because Steve Bruce had come down to Rochdale with Newcastle, it was quite easy. And um, his media manager came out and said, he's doing one interview with TalkSport and no more. And um, this is where uh, I, I, and this is the advice I always give to people is that, don't take no for an answer. So I literally, uh, swift, like kind of just quickly ran, um, basically when he finished the interview and, um, just asked ask Steve Bruce. So my tip is always ask the person you want to interview, not ask the person that is organizing the interview. So I always asked the person that I wanted to interview. So I asked Steve Bruce, you know, can I interview him? And he went, yeah, uh, quickly because you've only had the balls to ask. And his media guy couldn't stop him then. Because <laughs> And then yeah. his media guy couldn't stop him then because Steve Bruce had agreed to it and he's not going to, you know, go back on Steve Bruce, so yeah, I did that. Steve was great um it was very hard to do it under pressure. bear in mind, there was fifty odd people watching you at the time, um but again he's a great character and off camera he was uh, he, he, he he was really good as well, so there's so many names there's so many brilliant people yeah
0: so max, you was at the the football blogging awards and mm-hmm. you won awards there. Mm-hmm. How did you feel coming out of that and yeah Coming away with the awards like what how did you feel inside
3: yeah I mean th- the awards uh progressed my kind of career i guess you could say quite a lot so the first time it, it was at uh, Alexandria palace and I was, I was very young again 13 i think i was at the time and um i won uh the best young blogger um judges award which was great and a few things came of that but then next time round, i entered it again i thought I'll go for second time running. If I'm perfectly honest with you, the first time I had more of a chance than winning, the second time I thought, no, I won't win it. There was, I was in a very tough category with a lot of tough people. And I got yeah. the and I and I won it again. I, I got the judges' vote. So twice in a row, just like Forrest with the European Cup. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so so and after that, because the second year round was it was slightly different to well, what Best Young Content Creator, and it was sponsored by Mitre Sports, um, who after that award actually uh, took me on as an ambassador and because i've because um, i've done some work with them i'm i'm take it i've been took on again with them next year so i th- this is where the fa cup stuff came from so with forest is i'm still doing my forest stuff regularly it's very difficult at the moment um with all the zoom interviews and if i'm perfectly honest i hate doing the zoom interviews I much rather do it in person <laughs> yeah. um so for me i am um focusing towards the fa cup stuff now because i'm allowed into clubs i'm allowed to do uh, training previews and go to training grounds and they're coming out in the next few weeks with Mitre, so I'm really looking forward to that to to pick that up again. So no, the Blogging Awards was a massive success for me because not only did I get a, a two two lovely awards out of it and, and be recognised for my um, work, uh, but also obviously got an ambassadorship with Mitre. And then from there as well, I um well I'm I'm now a judge actually at, at the Football Content Awards, have been renamed now. So they, they were supposed to go ahead of. Um, the blogging awards are supposed to go ahead in the next few weeks, but COVID wise, they've been canceled and put yeah. online or something. So I was actually lucky enough to be a judge. So I had to judge each category and um, put my uh, favorite vote for like favorite person, person that I thought should win for the judges vote. So I'm very lucky that I've gone from winning it twice, getting an ambassadorship from it and, and working on the FA cup now and also being a judge for it as well.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. It's great. It's, it is really great to wear, you know, young people as well, not just yeah, old, definitely, old, mate. old, old experienced um, interviewers.
1: So obviously, uh, Max, you're quite young yourself. So uh, mm. what advice would you give to a young person who wants to make it in the in- uh, media industry like you have?
3: Yeah, well, I'm only 16. So I think I'm similar age to you lot. Um, you're, at, or, you're all at college and I'm all at college doing a, a very similar course to to you i guess so so my advice to people is is, is very simple is to start young and, and a lot of people have said to me do you always think that starting young might um give you a bit of a disadvantage because you can do so much and then it will tail off that's not true at all because if you start young and you build yourself a, a platform like um yeah. i did on youtube and it's very uh, youtube's a, i know it gets a lot of stick from from wider people and you know oh, the algorithms not working whatever. but i've always been grateful to have that platform because youtube costs me absolutely nothing um to, to, to fund uh, what the funding is is it's of course the editing software camera equipment microphone etc um so with youtube wise it's such a brilliant brilliant platform and i can go to a, a job or, or, or go to like a casting audition like i did with um the bbc last year for for a role as a as a as a football presenter and, and i and i can show Um, my youtube channel and show what i've done so my advice to people is simple start early think of something unique um you know there's so many things you can do free platforms like we're we're on now of course um you know podcasts youtube videos and um just just keep going with it at the end of the day and and i always say to people if that if you're not enjoying it then maybe you need to stop because i have even though there's some days where you've not enjoyed it so much and I, and I I admit to that and you have downs and highs and lows of course most of the time I really enjoy doing it and until I stop enjoying it um then you know I'll stop it but for the time being I'm enjoying it and now I want to turn it into a career and of course kind of move away from the forest stuff and a, a, a dream would, would would be to to, to be like a, a presenter on tv or whatever so um you know life's very uh, very unusual at the moment with everything going on so it's very unpredictable nobody knows what's going to happen in in the next few months years so if you can start something on your own um which i've had to do and and, and improvise sometimes as well then it, it come a year's time when hopefully things are a lot more normal then you'll be able to get more opportunities as well
0: thanks for that max if you want to check out his socials, his YouTube and his Instagram, it's Match Day with Max. It's both the same. There's some great content on there with MITRE. Best of luck for the future, mate. Moving swiftly on, then, Jude, do you want to introduce the audience what your next topic
2: is? So, we are going to be talking about um, who deserves the title of the Pride of the East Midlands. Obviously, it's a quite a heated debate um, with fans around the country and especially in the East Midlands, and we're going to uh, discuss that today.
0: So, we'll start with. Derby's honors. So the trophies they've won. So they've got so they've won the FA Cup once. Yeah, Um they came very close. We've come close so many times. The, yeah.
2: Um, we also have the worst record in the FA Cup final, which is six 0 against Berry. So that's not a great record. And Forest beat us in the FA Cup final as well. Yeah. So we're not the best record there. Um yeah, we've we've won the FA Cup once. Um we've also won the uh, the Premier League or Division One twice. Come close to the League Cup. Once came to semi-final, obviously recently in 2009. Um, I mean obviously I, we had a good run in the uh, European Cup. Um, but we came close uh, both times we finished finishing semi-final. Obviously, one time was the uh, awful, awful, awful decision of the referee against Juventus, yeah, which I was, was gonna, cheating as well. Just going
0: to ask you about that. So, what what what's your take on it then? So, did they got cheated out of a, a Champions League
2: when a referee on his deathbed decides to tell people that he. He got bribed and cheated against Derby, against Juventus. And that really cost us a final. You never know what could have happened in the final. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit a bit annoyed at that. And also we did flop really badly against Real Madrid because we were 4-1 up in the first leg. Um, all, all we had to do was go away to Real Madrid and not concede, but we conceded five and we lost 5-1.
0: They, so they were cheated out of the, the Champions League. Do you think they've got any worse since then?
2: Well, that was a long time ago, but, you know, we've been in and out. We've had the Premier League run of the uh, late 90s. Um, we came back down in the championship for a while, and then obviously we had the worst season in history in 2008 with 11 points. Um, only winning one game against Newcastle at home. Um, and yeah, our top goal scorer was Kenny Miller, so that tells you all about that season, really.
0: Not a bad striker, to be fair. <laughs> um, so Alex, do you think now they're in the championship, do you think they've got a good opportunity this season to um to go up or not? Do you think, do you think they'll stay in there for another year?
1: You know, um. I reckon. I reckon they'll stay in there this this year. Obviously, they did have quite a little bit of success with under Frank. Um, you know, they did quite well under him. But um, I, I can't see them going up this yeah, year. It's... I really can't. But the good thing about Derby is that I've been recognising is they've got quite a uh, bunch of youth talent. Obviously, uh, Max Bird.
2: We played the um, most minutes of teenagers in yeah. all of the country. So. Yeah, we're doing well for that, that sort of thing. That's Cocu's, um philosophy as well, playing young players. So we're very happy with that as well.
1: I think it's obviously going to help them a lot as well, playing under such a such a big player as Wayne Rooney as well. Having him in the midfield Definitely. with them, obviously it's going to ha- have a bit of, you know, give, give him a bit of a boost really going into a game, having England legend Wayne Rooney underneath them.
0: So speaking about Rooney then, um, do you think after his, his stint, as, as a player manager do you think do you think you'll see him you know taking the reins at derby and becoming the manager
2: i can't see it happening really um i think cocky's got a long-term plan here he's got two more years i think after it on his contract before your contract so um i'm not really sure i think he should go into academy coaching first um and if not i think he should go elsewhere a lower league club or if not do a front line pod and get a get a chance somewhere else in the championship but you never know anything can happen really
0: yeah and so enough about derby then let's uh let's go over to the trend let's talk about forest it's your so favorite team car my favorite team um so let's 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 start off by looking at forest's honors um everyone knows we've won with we've back-to-back champions leagues 1979 the most famous um and arguably under one of the best managers. Only thing ever. you've got against us,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Champions League wins. We've,
0: we've got to milk it. I mean, definitely, you do I would, the same. we we would do yeah, exactly exactly. the exact same. So you so, can't really complain. Um, so yeah, under arguably one of the one of the best managers. Uh, well, obviously one of the best ma- the best manager we've ever had after Arf- Arf- Brian Clough. Um, Here as well. Um, we've won the FA Cup twice. Um, we've won the League Cup four times, uh, and we've won the Charity Shield once. Um,
2: and you won the first division once as well. Yeah, in
0: the first division. So, in terms of Forest now,
2: I think, I think you've had the biggest decline, haven't you? Really? Yeah, you think I mean, about it
0: since you know, from going from last season. I mean, everyone loved Lamucci. Everyone loved him, and it's just that that Stoke game, and it was the last three games of the season, and the Stoke game was just, I think, was the you know, was the icing on the cake for
2: me. Um, Forest are a massive club, and. The, it's no. Obviously, they are the most decorated club in the East Midlands. They've, they've won a lot. Um, they've got Brian Clough in the history. They've got got um, a lot of a lot of trophies there. So, yeah, they're definitely sleeping giant as you call it. it. Time will tell, and I, I think all of us, um, all of us want to be up in the Premier League, and uh, hopefully, we can yeah. all do that together. Yeah, I'll be for Should definitely be up there.
0: And then, so moving on now to the final East Midlands club, and that's uh, moving over to Leicestershire We've got Leicester City. Um, yep. So we'll, we'll take we'll take a look at their honours. Um, you know, the most memorable one is um, the Premier League in 2015 yep. 16. You know, the the odds were stacked against five thousand to one.
2: Five thousand to
0: one to win the Premier League, and they did it. And I think it's it's good for for the East Midlands clubs. You know, to have that in your locker is is, is fantastic. It's,
2: it was massive at the time as well because everyone knew about it everywhere in the world and everyone wants Leicester to do it. Um obviously apart from Marcel and Tottenham. <laughs> um yeah. yeah Leicester they're they're a big club you know at the moment they're doing really well for themselves. Um, they've got Europa League this year and they've pushed for Europe. Obviously they've got the Champions League quarter final that year after the uh, Premier League winning year. So yeah they've uh, they've won the League Cup three times, they won a community shield once and um they've won FA could say in terms of um in terms of honours they're definitely at the, the bottom of the table. Um, yeah. in terms of Forest Derby and Leicester. Uh but recently they're definitely the, the best club at the moment.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And you know and the difference is they're in the Premier League and it's something that Forest yeah. and Derby can't do at the and minute, it in recent years. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. You know, after you know, after the tragic loss of um of the owner, you know, it, Yeah. It, I think it it really it really highlights Leicester as a club, you know, the community side of things. They've got they've got oh, a fun. very, very good community, you know, they're all together. So lads <laughs> it, it just it, all we've got to do now is sum up who is who is the pr- the pride of the East Midlands. So, dude, I'll go to you first.
2: Um, if you talk about from, I want to set like a, a starting point. So, two thousand eight for me from to now. Um, so, when Derby got relegated that year, uh, wherever else was, so Forrest just got promoted back to the Championship that year after their three uh, season stay in League One, uh, which weren't the best of times, but you know they got themselves yeah. back in the Championship. Uh, they finished second that year. Um, and Leicester just finished 22nd in the Championship and we got relegated to League 1 for the first time since 1983 so you know it wasn't always the best years for, for us in that time but um, since 2008 Derby's best finish was third in the Championship um, obviously they got the lost in the playoff final Leicester's best uh, position in the league was first in the Premier League and also they got the Champions League quarter final that year and then Forest was um, third in the Championship in the 2009-10 season so, you know, Leicester have definitely done the best out of all of us there. They've got themselves out of the championship. Um, and um, if you look at the worst league finishes since then, um, Derby were 19th in 2010-11 the championship. Forrest 21st in the championship, that 2016-17 uh, year in the Fawaz. And Leicester's worst finish was 10th in the championship in 2010-11 season. So recently, Leicester have definitely done the best out of all of us. Um so yeah I think in terms of um, embarrassments and being having the pride of these buildings I think Leicester have definitely shown that pride at the moment um obviously Forest and Derby aren't doing great but not been too bad the recent thing I can think of for Derby was the whole drink driving thing um that was all over the news obviously Forest last year was the, the biggest embarrassment I could think of in a while um with the whole playoff situation um all you had to do was just draw in the last game of the season, lost four to Stoke. Um, so yeah, and Leicester. The only thing I can really think of is when that, that year after the Premier League, when they finished twelfth and then sacked Ranieri, it was very strange. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just think Forest and Derby have been stuck in the Championship for so long. I think we've been stuck there the most years out of everyone. I think it's twelve seasons now. Um, obviously, I think we're stuck in the Championship forever. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really. I think uh, we've all done well. In terms of no flops majorly, I think Leicester are definitely the best at the moment.
0: Yep, I completely agree with you there. And if we if we were to go off of current affairs and what's going on in football right now, I would have to agree with you saying Leicester because they, they are in the Premier League and that's the difference for me. Alice,
1: what do you think? I completely agree with every word you guys have been saying. I think Leicester's been able to get out of the championship yeah. and Forrest and Derby have just been stuck there. And I completely agree with what Jude said. I I, I can't see Derby getting out of the championship. Mm. I, and if anything, I, I could see them going down maybe in a couple of years. And I, can't, I don't know about that, but... I, I could, I, I could. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think biggest club in the East Midlands. i I've got to say Forrest yeah. only because of the whole uh, honours list and... The whole European Cup thing, I think a lot of people know him from that. Yeah. Um
1: So yeah, so if we're saying
2: if you do a if you do a one, two, three, I'm gonna go Forest, Derby and Leicester.
1: I'm gonna go Forest Leicester Derby.
2: So, um Kyle what do you think?
1: So if if we're going in terms
0: of so if you'd have asked me who the pride of the East Midlands is years ago, mm. then this is this is the way I would rank it. I'd go as a Forest fan, this isn't biased. I'd go Forrest, Derby and then Leicester mm-hmm. um, because I just think they've got a bigger history but yep. now, currently, it's got to be Leicester at the top for me Yeah,
2: definitely uh, Thanks for listening, guys Yeah, um, thanks for listening to uh, this segment and uh, we'll be adding over to Alex next
1: Thanks for that, Jude I'm now going to be talking about three players from the late 2000 Real Madrid era These players are Rubinho, Danny Parejo, and Sergio Ramos One flopped, one stopped and one went straight to the top
0: so, yeah, the flop is Rubinho. Uh, not too many people can argue with that uh, out of the three we've chosen. Uh, bearing in mind, these players all played together for a season at Real Madrid. Um, and, yeah, Rubinho started his career in his home country of Brazil with Santos. Um, he was in the youth academy there as well. Um, and then and he was in the first team as well. Um, and then in 2005, uh, he caught the attention of Real Madrid. Um, and if Real Madrid come calling for you, you've got some talent. Um, and yeah, three years with Los Blancos uh, winning two league titles back to back and yeah do, do you think winning winning a title at such a young age do you think do you think it's good for your development or do you
2: think it can go the other way Well, it can go either two ways um, so it can give you massive confidence or it can give you the pressure of doing well again the next season um, and flopping from uh, from winning the league the year uh, previous so I think it, it it helps his career in terms of confidence and realising how good he actually is. And especially where he came from in Brazil to go straight to Madrid, it's a big achievement. So He went to Man City for almost double the price that Real Madrid paid for him.
0: Um, so Alex, do you think it was, the ro- it was a case of, when he went to City, do you think it was the wrong move at the wrong time with the wrong manager?
1: Yeah, I, I do believe so. Um, Mancini is obviously known for not having a great connection with his players, but, um, well, Robinho has come out multiple times and said he does blame Mancini for his poor career, basically. And uh, you also look at Mario Balotelli in that friendly against LA Galaxy. He tries he tries to be a bit cocky and um, Mancini takes him off because he, he doesn't want any of it. And, yeah, I, I, do think, I do think it messed his career up a little bit. And, obviously, he had quite a lot of injuries there at the time, which obviously sent him back on loan to Santos, which then uh, caught, caught the... Uh, Italian giant AC Milan eyes.
0: Yep. Um and you know, s- some people will say that it was a step back in his career, but personally I think it it, it wasn't because you've got to take a step back to take a step forward. Um, and AC Milan came calling uh, when he was back on loan at Santos um, and he signed for the Rossoneri, and he won a Serie A in 2010-2011 um, and you can't say he hasn't won titles where he's been, you know he won he won two it two with Real Madrid, um and he's won one with AC Milan, um so you know even though his personal ability might have flopped and he might have got let down, but his titles back him up. You know he's he's, he's won it in Italy, he's won it in
2: Spain. Um, I think injury has a massive impact on yeah, his career definitely. because that's the thing that ruined his career at Man City and especially being promised a such a big plan at the time with the new owners and all the money and cash flow in there um to be to be let down so massively and get that such a big injury it didn't it must have it must have really uh, turned his head to go downhill from there yeah really. and that's and we've,
0: we've got evidence of it you know he he had spells in in turkey china um all on free transfers so that that was kind of the start of his downfall i think in his Definitely. career you know it, to say you've played for Real Madrid and AC Milan and you've won titles there, and then you're now playing in China and, and Turkey on free transfers, it, it's, it's kind of the downfall of his career.
1: Uh, in the 2021 season, he's uh, signed back for Santos and obviously he's just gone in one big, massive circle and uh, he's now in his late 30s. It's, it's, it's such a shame, really, to being compared to some Super Brazilian stars, like the likes of Ronaldinho, obviously <laughs> the same position, and now he's just back where he began.
0: Um, and now we're going to be moving on to uh, the mid player, the player who had a, a, a fairly good career but never got to uh, the brand of world class. And Alex, who is that player?
1: Uh, that player is Danny Parejo. You know, he actually started off at Real Madrid in the under-19 squads and then was called up to the C team in 2006, where he did spend two years before he was loaned out to QPR in 2008, where he had quite an unsuccessful period, you know, at QPR. He only played 18 games, zero goals and two assists. It's not that good from a youth prospect. Jude, what do you have to say about it?
2: Um, If you think about um, QPR fans, if you ask them about Parejo... You know, um, I don't think I think they'll remember him a little bit, because uh, of his name nowadays, but in terms of footballing fans and uh, trying to ask obviously English fans about Prairie coming to England, I think half of them would say they never even knew he came to QPR. Um obviously the championship's a tough league to come into when you're a such a young lad. Um obviously some can excel and some don't. Um but going from Spain to England in the championship as well, it's quite a tough league to play in, so I'm not surprised it didn't really work out for him.
0: And Parejo, I think he had, he, had a, he had a bit of a tough start in the start of his career, not, not just at QPR. When he came back from London, he got called up to the first team in Real Madrid and he only played 60 minutes of football for Real Madrid. I mean, what must be going through his head at the time? You, you know, you've, ju- you've just come back from England. You don't have a clue how the championship works or mm. any, any league in England um, and you've you've come back to, back to Spain, back to Madrid, and you're you only getting to going to play sixty minutes of football, Alex. What do you, what do you think must be going through his head at the time?
1: It's got to be quite heartbreaking coming back to Real Madrid. You're a youth prospect, and only getting sixty minutes of football. It's, it's, it's not great. But you know he only spent one year at Madrid, and then he was eventually sold to Getafe for two point seven million, and you know. He, he, did, he did start to build up. People started to see who he could potentially be. He played 80 games, 11 goals and 11 assists from CDM. That's really impressive. Could you say this is a start of something new?
0: Definitely. Um, and I think it, it showcases the fact that he's so used to the Spanish football system that he stayed in Spain and that's, that's where he found his trade. And Jude, he then signed for Valencia um and went on to become, become club captain um what do you make of
2: his time at valencia well he's a legend there isn't he now so he's obviously done well for himself there um obviously everyone everyone knows him for that time at valencia um obviously the Getafe uh transfer was the stepping stone step that he needed to boost that career and the whole madrid situation he's obviously wanting to, he's obviously driven he's obviously hungry for to play football and i think he just needed time and at Madrid, you've not got any time really. Um, it's very well known for that. So I think he got chucked in the deep end there, and uh, yeah. I'm really, I'm really happy for him that he uh, did did really well at Valencia.
1: He did actually lead Valencia to a surprising two-one victory over Barcelona in 2018 in the uh, Copa del Rey final, which uh, was a, a shock to most football fans, to be honest. And it's a massive accomplishment for a player like him.
0: So he, he remained incredibly loyal to Valencia. You know, nearly a decade at Valencia, um, and obviously, like you both said, he's, he's, he'll be a club legend. That's what they'll regard him as. Club captain. Um, he helped him win silverware over Barcelona, which are arguably one of the best teams in Spain, um, and he's now at Villarreal for the for this season at the at the age of thirty one. So you know, he's not done yet. He's not done there. He's not done there. You know, he, he could still. You know, he could he could do the exact same thing with Villarreal that he did with Valencia, you know, he could push them for Silverware, you never know, Europa League, um Copa del Rey finals, Copa de Españas. You, you know, he has got it in the locker, you know, he did it at Valencia, he can do it at Villarreal.
2: Well a lot of people I think after been there for nine years you might have thought, Oh, he could end his career um at Valencia. Um which is quite quite common if you have been there that long and you're obviously a captain, so it's quite surprising that he left. Um, but obviously I think he, he might have wanted a, could have been family reasons, could have been for switch up could have been um, just for a fresh start sort of thing and use the experience to help um, Villarreal get, get somewhere up the league and get him into Europe or win some uh, silverware or just, just keep uh, rising at that table
1: Yeah, that's Danny Perello and that's our average player Moving on to the final part is Spanish superstar Sergio Ramos and you know he's been a loyal player at Real Madrid for years now, but he actually started his career off at Sevilla in the uh, under-19 squads, where he highly impressed, which obviously got him called up to the B team in the 2003 season. And, you know, Sevilla, they, you know, they obviously saw Ramos's potential. So after just one year in the B team, he got called up to the main team in 2003. That's, that's crazy. Kai, what do you think of this? It's,
0: it's very good, you know, because... It, as, as a young player, it's hard to go, you know, because f- academy football is. I think it's a lot different to um to the actual first team, um, and it just it just sh- you know fast forward ten years, you know it just showcases his talent like what he has now, um, and obviously he, he had very very good potential at Sevilla, um, and obviously that got noticed by um, Los Blancos who snapped him up in o five o six season, um when he was 19 years of age, um, going for a lot of money. Um, so, and do you, do you think, as a youngster, do you think the price tag affects, you know, your ability to play? Because you've got, I can think of loads of examples, but do you think it affects your game? Because you're constantly thinking about the price tag. 100%. It. It,
2: it can go either two ways, though, in my opinion. It can either drive you to work harder or it can make you crumble. Um, in this case, obviously, it made him drive uh, harder and work harder to get in that squad and do well at Madrid. Um, but yeah, it, I think it just shows how, how strong he's mentally as well. Obviously, now you can see that he's a, he's a leader, as a captain, he's, he's very uh, level-headed and obviously it just showed you what he was like back then as well.
0: And fast forward 650 appearances later, he is now recognised as one of the best defenders of all time,
1: really. That Zinedine Zidane's words, you know, where coming from the manager, it's, it's got to be, a,
0: you know, quite... great. It's great to hear, isn't it? You know, yeah. if if you're getting praises like that from your manager, you know, there's, there's not really much better than that, is there? Um, and, I, you know, at his time at Real Madrid, he's won 22 major honours. That's not even just, that's not even all of it, that's just the major honours, um, including four Champions Leagues. Um and he's been he, he, and he's now he's captain for Real Madrid. um and it it must be amazing you know to have that many that many trophies um and, and bearing in mind all them champions leagues are were, were with real um it's just i think it's
2: incredible um one of the best teams of all time as well one to yeah the one four in a row yeah so that's a record and uh just shows you as, as a team as well um how how a captain can affect a team, and I think he was a he was a part of the spine of that squad that won everything.
1: But you know, where uh, you guys are focusing on Real Madrid, but y- you can't forget about his international career as well with Spain. Definitely. You know, uh, he got he made his international debut at 19 in 2005, and you know now he's both the captain of Real Madrid and Spain. You know, he, and he's won one World Cup with them. It's it's, it's,
0: it's, it's quite it's insane. It's incredible because he's not only recognised by Real Madrid he's recognised by you know the Spanish Football Association you know he's captain he's he, he loves playing for both Real Madrid and Spain um, you can you can see that you know he's captain he he, he he likes the leadership um, and, I, and I I just think Jude do, do you think um, playing for the national team at such a young age do you think it, it's a good stepping stone in your career?
2: Um Definitely, because it's that trust of the international manager playing you and it it it's a, re- a uh, reward for how well you're doing at your club as well. So, yeah, it's a massive it's a massive confidence boost if you get called to call the national team. It just shows you with the England squad at the moment, all the young players that have come through, um, how well they're playing in the Premier League, and it's just it's really good to see that youth players are getting picked for the national team. And at the time, definitely, yeah, um, it's better for him as well.
1: So the main question is, guys. Would you say Sergio Ramos is one of the best, if not the best, centre back to ever live?
0: I think it's a very strong case. You know, some people might not uh, might not um, like his tactics um, and the way he goes <laughs> about things. Like I can think of an example um, in the in the uh, Champions League fi- uh, Champions League with um, Liverpool. Mm. Let's not talk about um, that, boys. <laughs> <laughs> the most shallow. Yeah, the most shallow. You know. Incident. It's, 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 it's a very tough one because there's the attitude of doing anything to win but I think
2: it's the same with though as well one of the best center offs ever and also with Spanish in that time we're playing with him as well that impact of having him by his side and also at partnerships as well with Varane um, and all these players that he's played with I think they, they help with that as well
1: I think Pepe as well had Pepe, a big inspiration definitely. on him I think Ramos kind of learned from Pepe because Pepe was known for being kind of a a crazy player basically and i think ramos kind of took that as the leadership he needs mm. to buckle down a bit more and i think he has taken that into his game and made a massive impact on any squad that he's been in
0: but going back to your question alex about is ramos one of the best defenders in the world i think if you're not going to say he's one of the best defenders ever to grace football he's he's got to, got to be up there with one of the best you know he Defends so well, but not only does he defend, he scores goals as well. He's, he's a penalty taker at Real Madrid at this moment in time, and he's, he's scoring panencas for Real Madrid. Now you know, he, he, he just shows him like he just bosses everything, really. especially
2: the Spain national team. They've never won anything before in that, in there, there's such a bad brief of history where they wouldn't win anything. Um, and Fabregas was saying that when they went into tournaments, they didn't think they were going to win, and um to win a world cup and then to win the euros twice it's a massive achievement and a massive boost for the spanish national team thank you for listening to
1: the first episode of the route one football podcast we've got plenty of other episodes lined up so make sure to stay tuned
2: and check out more content on our tiktok account at route one football